Today we're continuing on in our series on the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus' answer to the question from the disciples, could you teach us to pray? Now, I don't know about you, but I want to hear Jesus' answer. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's not about, hey, Craig, could you teach me how to pray? Or, you know, somebody else? Or what's that guy? Did he write a book on that or whatever? I mean, when Jesus is going to teach how to pray, I want to listen. I, I want to hone in on that. And so that's what we've been doing for these last few weeks. Now, many people have put a title to this prayer that Jesus gave and called it the Lord's Prayer. And so that's what we're looking at. Maybe you grew up, I talked to somebody after first service, they said, I grew up saying the Lord's Prayer, but I didn't even know what it meant. I, I just said it. And uh, our church taught it, but I didn't really have any meaning behind it. And so maybe you've been the same way. So what we're doing is we're trying to learn it and apply it to our lives, but also memorize it as well. And so every week, uh, we've been restating the Lord's Prayer, and my challenge to you is let's memorize it. You know, let's, let's get memorized, and all you got to do is, like, memorize one part at a time through these six weeks, just like we're going over it, and you can have the whole, whole thing memorized. So let's stand together. We're going to say it from the King James Version. They're going to put it on the screen for those of you who need it and aren't quite there yet, and so uh, let's say it together. It goes like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Good job. It was a few years ago that we were getting ready to go on vacation for an extended time. I was looking forward to it. You know, I, I love being able to just kind of get away for a break and just clear my mind, just kind of clear everything out and just have some R&R time and then come back ready to charge hard again. And so we were getting ready. It was the day we were leaving, and uh, we weren't leaving as I wanted to, okay? Uh, my schedule was off because I had us leaving at a certain time, and we still had a bunch to do. And so I'm kind of frustrated at that point. Anybody with me? And, and, you know, I'm still throwing stuff on the carrier up on top and everything, getting stuff in there. And, and on. finally we hit the road way behind when I had planned for us to. And so I'm pushing it as hard as I can to get down the road. And uh, I saw these orange cone things that were along the side of the road. But they weren't out in the road. They were just over to the side of the freeway. 
And I saw a sign that said, uh, a certain speed when the workers are present. But I looked around and I didn't see any workers, you know. I, I didn't see anybody working. And so I just maintained the original speed. I didn't see any workers, but what I did see were some flashing lights in my rearview mirror, to which I hoped were after somebody else up ahead, you know. But it wasn't. He got behind me, and I pulled over. And uh, so he comes up to the window and says, yes, officer. He says, did you see those orange cones? And I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, uh, well, why didn't you slow down? And I said, well, the sign said, if the workers are present, and I didn't see them present. <laughs> and he said, it doesn't matter if they're present or not. You're supposed to slow down. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, let me have your driver's license and your your registration. So I gave him those, and he took them back to kind of thinking, oh, man, what a way to start the vacation. I didn't have to just think that. Rochelle was in the car, and she said that as well. And so uh, he comes back after a while in his car up to my car and hands me back the... Um, registration and the driver's license and says, I'm giving you a warning. He said, uh, please slow it down so you get to your destination. And I said, yes, sir. And thank you, sir. And God bless you, your family, and whoever else you want blessed. You know, I was ready to buy him dinner and whatever else. Because I was guilty, I, I deserved worse than what I got. But see, that's the gospel of Jesus. You were guilty, and you deserved worse. But instead of getting what you deserve, he gives a warning and says, hey, 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 don't go. You may not get to your destination. You may not, if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't change something about your life, if you don't come to me, then, then you're not gonna make it. And, and so instead of getting what we deserve, come on, somebody, he gives us what we don't deserve. What we don't deserve. That is the gospel of Jesus. And so we're looking at this, this prayer that Jesus prayed. And the phrase that we're going to look at today is about forgiveness. And that forgiveness, that getting what we don't deserve, that, that, that grace, that mercy is really where the healing begins in our lives. And as we give it out, it further brings healing. So Jesus said, forgive. That word forgive means to cancel a debt. Or it can also mean to pardon or to send away. 
Now, send away would make sense to a Jewish person because their mind would go back to Leviticus chapter 16 in the Old Testament where the high priest on one day of the year, is called the Day of Atonement, would come out and he would do something maybe a little strange to some of us, but, but here's what he would do. The high priest would come out and there would be a goat and, and the people would gather and the high priest would lay his hands on the goat and he would begin to confess the sins of the people upon the goat. And then after he did that, it was known as the scapegoat to, to, to take on that and, and, and to be the sin for them. And it was like he was transferring the guilt, the shame, the sin into that animal. And then they would take that animal and turn it loose into the wilderness, into the desert to get lost and what it was saying to the people is that your sins are now lost. They're washed. They're gone. They're removed. You, you don't even know where they went anymore. And it was all a projection. It was all, and, and you see this throughout the Old Testament, how there's like imagery that looks like Jesus, that looks like what Jesus is going to do for the whole world. And that was this case because Isaiah explains it in detail. In Isaiah chapter 53, bring that verse up for me. It says that we, that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. God laid on him the iniquity. So God, when Jesus hung on the cross, he laid on him the sin, the iniquity, all of our baggage, he put it on him. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he, he died for us. And, and the word atonement, I didn't tell you this, uh, the word atonement really stands for this, at one moment. At one moment with God. If you just put hyphens in there. So, so at one moment. So, so in other words, on the day of atonement, he was saying, I want you one with me again. Just like Adam and Eve started out, they were, they were perfect. They were, they were to live with me. But then they messed up. They chose their own way. And, and just like us, they went astray. But God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this is where healing Begin. So if you're taking notes, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, and we're also going to look at Matthew chapter 18 in a few minutes. But you can write this down, when you confess your debts. That's when healing begins, is when you confess your debts. Now, my dad, I've told you before how my dad was a used car salesman. And so... Uh, I kind of worked with him a summer or two in the office, helped drive some cars and do some different things with him. And everybody who came in, and there's people here who bought a car off my dad, and I run into people every once in a while and say, I bought a car off your dad. And uh, so it's just kind of funny uh, how many people did that. Some people, I, I talked to one person, he thinks he bought seven cars off my dad. And so every time somebody came in, here's what would happen. 
he would transfer the title. Uh, if he bought their car or took it in trade, then he would transfer the title out of their name into his, into, into his business. And then if they were buying a car, he would transfer the title of that car into their name so that they really owned it. Because until there was that transfer, they didn't really own it. Well, this is what God did for you and I. Here's, here's what the Bible says. He transferred the sin out of your life and took it out of your account. And then he took his righteousness and put it into your account. Okay, let me explain it this way because some of you didn't get it. He took everything wrong, bad, and ugly in your life and took it out and put everything great, awesome, and perfect in him into you. Is that a little more clear? And so that's why we call it good news because I, I should have got the ticket. See, I, I should have paid for my sin, but instead, uh, he, he did this. And, and so it sounds transactional, but it's really relational. Because here's why he did it. He did it out of a heart of love. See, we're, we serve a God who would move heaven and earth on your behalf. We serve a God who would go literally to hell and back for you because of his love for your life. See, there's a false perception. Some people think this, you know, when, when I get cleaned up, get my act together, then I'm going to go to church. Then I'm going to go to church. Well, that, that's kind of like, you know, after I get healthy, then I'm going to go to the hospital. That doesn't make sense. You, you don't go to the hospital after you're healthy. You go to the hospital to get healthy. And see, you don't wait to go to church when you got your act together. You go to church because you don't have your act together. You go to church because you need him in your life. You need him. And so you come to be in his presence. And so God puts us back together again. And, and he, he transitions the sin for righteousness in our lives. And just to help you. We'll come back to this in a moment, but let me uh, just pull that scripture up for me. Here's what Jesus said immediately after he finished the Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I think forgiveness is pretty important to God. How about you? I think forgiveness is a big deal to God. And we're to forgive our debts. Now, maybe you grew up, and I know a lot of people grew up, saying trespasses. Because Luke talks about trespasses. But Matthew calls it debts. And so, whether you're a trespass person or a debt person, it really doesn't make any difference. Because it all is referring to this 
fact that you missed the mark in your life. See, it's like an archery term. In other words, you can't hit, it's impossible for you to hit a bullseye every time. Every time. No one does. No one bats a thousand. No one's perfect. And so because you and I aren't perfect, and and this is why it's easy for me to call myself this, and maybe you have a hard time calling yourself this, but but I really don't have a hard time with this, calling myself a sinner. Because I know I've missed the mark. I don't need somebody on Facebook telling me. Right? I don't need somebody trying to straighten me out or whatever. I I I don't need help on knowing that I need help. That, that I need forgiveness in my life because I, I know I have not always hit the target. Come on. I, I know. Uh, we're going to let the, all the perfect people sit in a certain spot one time. You know, we just put them all in one spot. Everybody can polish their halo and, and all. But here's the thing. James, the brother of Jesus, puts it into categories so we can understand sin. Let me just talk about that for a second. The brother of Jesus, which is awesome that the brother of Jesus came to believe in Jesus after his resurrection. Before that, he didn't think he was the son of God. He thought he was crazy. But once he saw him rise from the dead, he believed he was the son of God. That would do it for me too. How about you? (laughs) And pretty much put it over at the top. And he said there's two kinds of sins. There's a sin of commission that you commit. You know, that, that's when maybe you know you shouldn't do this, but you're going to do it anyway. Or maybe you've just gotten into the habit of doing it even. It's not even almost a conscious thing. You, you've just gotten in the habit of committing that sin. But then he says there's another ty- type of sin too. There's the sin of when you know to do right and you don't do it. You just don't do it. He says, that's sin. You you know you should go over there. You know you should do that. You know you're the answer to your own prayer. You know you should do that thing, but you just choose not to do it. And so there's two types of sins in our life. So in other words, what, what he's saying is, is you can't, good your way to God. You know, I, I'm kind of hoping, Craig, that my good will outweigh my bad. You got more confidence in you than I do in me. Because we don't get to heaven by subtraction. It's not what you take off of your life that gets you to heaven. It's what you put in your life that gets you to heaven. See, it's, it's not just transferring all the missed bullseyes out of your life. It's bringing in the only one who hit the bullseye in your life, right? It's when you bring him into your life. And so Matthew tells us this word that, that about forgiveness, and he only uses it here and one more time. Now, I get kind of nerdy on this because when when I hear something like that, I think, hmm, that's kind of different. Wonder where he uses it. If he uses it here and it's only used one other time, where is that? 
What's that about? And the other time that Matthew uses it is in Matthew chapter 18. We'll get there in a moment. But here's what I want you to know. Every other time that the Bible talks about debt, it talks about it like this. A debt you can pay. Kind of like the people in the video that paid off $44,000 of debt. And it's like, oh my gosh. that's But they did it. Every other time that debt is talked about in the Bible, it's talked about in a way that a person could, but you should pay your debts. You should pay, you know, and it talks about stuff like that. But when Matthew talks about it in the Lord's Prayer, and he talks about it in Matthew 18, he's talking about a debt that you can't pay. You, you can't live long enough. If you were a cat, you couldn't live long enough. All right, nine lives wouldn't be enough to pay the debt because the debt is just now we've got a name for that, it's called bankruptcy. Right? It's when the debt's just gotten so crazy that you, it, it, well, pff, they're never gonna pay it, that it just can't do it. And, and so, here's the thing it is we're to forgive and receive forgiveness. And, and this thing of the importance of forgiveness in our lives, I think, comes from the fact that when you have a problem getting forgiveness from God, you have a problem giving forgiveness from God to other people. And, and Jesus said it like this, freely you've received, now freely give. And see, when you think you've got to earn your way to forgiveness, you'll make other people have to earn their way to your forgiveness. Hello? See, I know I touch a nerve when everything gets quiet. You know, when you're shouting and whatever, it's, it's you know, but, but when, it's, when it's quiet, something's hitting home. God took our sin out. He put, the, put his righteousness in. Romans tells it like this. Here's what it says. It talks about Abraham so what's the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, he didn't earn it. He didn't do anything. What's it say he did? He believed. That's all he did. He didn't work for it, didn't earn it, didn't deserve it, but he believed for it, and God put it into his account. Put it into his account. Now look at what... Paul says in 2 Corinthians, pull that scripture up, for God was in Christ reconciling the world, an accounting term, reconciling the world just like you reconcile books, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. In other words, in Romans, Paul says, God, through Abraham, he believed in God and God transferred over righteousness and then he says that Christ came and God put on him all your iniquity all your sin and when he died on the cross God took your sin out so so God put something in and took something out and James again the brother of Jesus says and after you do that, it ought to show up in your life. 
Because when you believe something, it ought to come out. And, and James says, because faith, yeah, Abraham had faith, but then he acted on the faith. He, he started living different. He started acting on it. And, and Jesus said it like this. Now, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Why, why do you do that? Why do you say you believe, but then your life doesn't look like it? See, if you believe in something strong enough, you'll do something. It's like if somebody says, well, I believe in showering. Okay, now, if you believe in showering, but you don't shower, you don't sit next to me, all right? Just sit somewhere else. I don't care what you believe. And there are people who say, oh, I believe in Jesus, right? I believe in Jesus, but, but they don't do something about it. And, and if that offends you, I would rather this morning that you get offended at me and go to heaven than not be offended and go to hell. Because God, you, you can't do anything about this. He already did something about your sin. He didn't just do something about my sin. He did something about everyone's sin. The Bible says he came, died once and for all. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us. So, so in other words, here, here's the deal. Is your sins already been taken care of. So, so God's already looked down at that sin and said, I took care of that. I paid for that, that, that. That doesn't even matter to me anymore. But here's the problem. Some of you haven't transferred in the righteousness. See, that, that's the next step. Is God already took his step. Now we got to take our step and, and say, God, I need that transfer of righteousness in my life. Because a lot of people think that, you know, when you confess to God uh, that, uh, you know, he... He maybe has this big file in heaven, and when we uh, confess that God maybe has, pulls that drawer that has your name on it and all your sins, you know, and he pulls it out when you're confessing a sin, and uh, he, he pulls it out. You know, and then you're confessing your sin, and he goes down through and says, Yep, that's a 132nd time you've confessed that sin. But here's what the Bible teaches. That when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. In other words, all those 131 other times are no longer in the file. Hello? They're not in there anymore. And I used to think, because I heard people in church say, well, you know, God just forgets your sin. And I thought, wow, God's got a bad memory. <laughs> and I, I, that kind of messed me up, because I thought he had a, an omnipotent memory. You know, he knew everything. 
And, and then I thought, well, if he doesn't know that, you know, that, that's kind of weird. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that God forgets. That like as in he can't remember it. What it teaches is that he chooses not to bring it up again. See, he, he can bring it up. But now this will help you in your marriage, but he chooses not to, all right? He, he chooses not to. See, it, it, God has the memory capacity. If he wanted to, he could bring up everything that I've ever done. And more than that, he could bring up everything I've ever thought and charge it against me, and I'm guilty. I should get the ticket. But instead, he chooses to have me forgiven and washed and cleansed. Now, some of us remember better than others. I don't know. I, I think women have great memories. Anybody with me on that? And women have great memories. My wife's not here today, so I'm going to go ahead and go there. Uh, you know, you, you, can, uh, you can get in an argument and you can say, or excuse me, a discussion and you can say, you know, uh, now I, I don't think I said that. And she said, oh, yes, 1995, October 5th, we were in the kitchen, and you had that blue shirt on that I don't like. It's still in your closet. And you were waving your hand like this when you were talking, too. And this is what you said, and it's in quotes. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. Let me tell you something. God's even better than that. He could remember every stinking detail, every sorry excuse you ever gave, every mistake, every sin, every defiance, everything that you hope nobody else will ever discover, and yet he chooses to wash it, to cleanse it. My file is not empty. No, he put something in my file. He put the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in my file. Hallelujah. See, and, and so when we, when we pray this prayer, what are we supposed to pray this prayer? If God's already taken care of it, if God's already washed it, if God's already paid for it, the sins have been transferred and everything, then why do I need to confess it? He already knows. Why, why do I need to confess? Here's why. For me. Because that's where the healing comes. See, James, the brother of Jesus, said, you confess to God, you get forgiven. But when you confess to other people, you get healed. You get healed. And so God wants to bring healing into our lives, so he has us pray this prayer every day. Write this down. You get healing when you release your debts. When you release your debts. All right, Matthew chapter 18, we talked about this. This word, Matthew brings up this conversation about this word again. And in verse 21, Peter thinks he's going to impress Jesus. And so he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive people every day? 
And there, I've read where back in that day, a lot of people said, you know, three times, forgive a person in one day, forgive them of the same thing three times. So, I mean, he's stretching it. How about seven? That's, that's, that imp- are you impressed? So, and I think Peter, you know, seven times, and then I punch him in the nose. <laughs> you know, just, is that when I get to hit him? After eight, you know, seven times forgiveness, and then poof, take him out. And uh, Jesus says something pretty incredible in response in verse 22. He says, no. Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. See, in other words, so many times that you'd lose count. What, what one are we on now? You, you can't even track it. But, but it's even more powerful than that because if you've read the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis chapter four, there's a character in Genesis chapter four called Lamech. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 4 about Lamech. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah. If you're looking for a baby name. (laughs) Those haven't been taken for a long time, probably. For good reason. Ada and Zillah. Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. Now, we don't know what happened. We don't know if this was a physical hurt or if it's just an emotional thing. Maybe he called him a name. You know, maybe he uh, said, your mama wears army boots or something, you know. We, We don't know. But what we do know is, in response to being wounded, Lamech killed him. And here's what he says. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 77-fold. The exact numbers that Jesus responded to Peter with. I think what Jesus was saying is, you know, there's some people, maybe you're, you've been one of these people that say, hey, 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 you don't want some of this, all right? I'm just telling you, because whatever you dish out, I'm going to dish back in spades. Or are you, you think you're going to come and, 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 and get on me and do whatever? Uh, let me tell you something, you don't want this. Mm-hmm. No, because, see, see, I'm going to come back. You don't want any of this because I will get you back seven times over or whatever. And here's what I think Jesus is saying. You know how you used to act like that? You know how you used to act with revenge? That's how I want you to be with grace and mercy and love. In other words... When people hurt you, when they wound you, you say, oh, 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 man, I'm going to lump, lump on you some grace now. Oh, man, you, you don't know what you did. You done messed with the wrong guy because I'm going to give you so much forgiveness, so much love, so much grace in your life. You're going to be drowning in mercy in your life. 
because of what all I'm going to do for you. That's what Jesus is talking about. How much we should forgive. And then Jesus, just to help us get it, tells a story just like he normally does. And here's the story. Let me read it to you real quick. Here's what it says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wants to settle accounts. He's settling the accounts, the columns here, with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that would be about $53, 54000000 million in that day when people, average wage was 44 cents a day. And Jesus says he owed him that much. In other words, it was impossible to pay. See, this is the point. He's not able to pay. And his master commanded that he be sold, because you could do that in that day. Sold with his wife, his children, all that he had, that payment be made. And the servant fell down before him. Master, have patience on me, and I will pay you all. And then that master of that servant was moved with compassion. He released him. And forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred denarii, which is just dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant, look at what he did, same thing, fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not But he went and threw him in prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, this is the sobering verse. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother, his trespasses. Wow. You see, the point Jesus makes is that your debt is so big, you can't do anything about it. There's no way. You don't have the ability So if you've been forgiven so much, then why wouldn't you turn around? And here's what else you should know. Is some of you do know this, that if you don't do it, if you don't turn around and release others, there's a way of feeling tortured yourself. See, it's not just about going to hell For eternity, it's about living in hell here even. Because some of you know what that's like when you won't let go, when you won't forgive, when you won't release, and God says, hey, 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 remember what I did? And if you say, well, Craig, you don't know what he did to me, you're right. Or, Or what she did. 
or what they did. You're right. And you don't know what I've had to deal with either. And so we don't compare ourselves to each other. The Bible says that's foolish to do that. Here's who you compare to. Jesus. And when Jesus was on the cross being crucified, he looked down to those who put him there and said, forgive them. Now, that's how you should be. That's how you should be. You've been forgiven more than you could ever handle. Now, go and forgive that one. Release them. Because you have a choice to either get bitter or better. And, and, and the Bible describes bitterness as like a root. Anybody ever have a dandelion in your yard? You, you didn't fertilize it? There can be a drought and it'll live. All the grass dies, but it'll live because it has a root. And you can pull the leaves out. You can pull the flower out. But if you don't get the root out, it's coming back. And I think the reason why Jesus put it in this prayer where he says, pray daily, your daily bread. Well, why would I need to pray forgiveness? If I'm forgiven or what? Because for some of us, we need to remind ourselves. We need to first of all remind ourselves of what we've been forgiven. And then some of us, it's going to be a process to forgive. See, we're going to have to pray it every day. See, it's not, well, Craig, what do you think? I'll just pray today and it's all good. I, I don't know. Maybe. And maybe... You're going to pray it every day for a while. And then one day you'll know that that root has been pulled out. And it's gone. And it's gone. Let's pray. Father, help us today to walk in the forgiveness that you've given to us. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I, man, I, I want to do better at this. Maybe, maybe the reason why Jesus wants us to pray it every day is so we'll keep really close and short accounts. We won't let it go a week or a month or a year or years. But instead, every day, we'll just say, you know what? Before I go to bed, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. This is not going to be a root in my life. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, Craig, I want to do better at forgiveness. I, I want to I be a, a better reflector uh, of the forgiveness that I've received. Freely, I have been forgiven so much. Now, let me be an example of forgiveness to others. And if you're here today and you'd say, Craig, I want God to use me like that as an example to other people, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's my prayer. That's my aim. That's my, my goal in life. I want to be used of God to show others forgiveness in theirs. Yes, hands all over this room. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll help us. 
some of us, we thought maybe we could just go on, but we got to get that root out. And so, Father, today I pray for anyone here who there's still a little bit of that root left, that you'll help them to just keep praying this until it happens, until it's all the way out, and they've all the way forgiven the way that they've been all the way forgiven by you. Maybe others of you are here today, and you'd say, Craig, I'm the one who needs forgiveness because I, I, I say I believe in God, but like you said, that, that's really not enough. I need to do something about it. And maybe what you need to do today is that second step of inviting the righteousness, the rightness of God into your life. He's already taken care of your sin. He died once and for all. But if you haven't done something, if you haven't done like Abraham did, he believed God. He, he, he began to walk toward God. He began to live after God. And as he did that, God transferred his righteousness into his life. And he'll do the same for you. If you're here today and you need a transfer, you need to not only have your sins transferred out, you need the presence of God transferred in. If that's you this morning, will you just say, Craig, I need this prayer right now. I, and I'm going to pray for you in just a moment right where you are. So just raise your hand if that's you today. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. How many are over here? God bless you. How many others today? All right, over here, several hands. God bless you. All right. About every section around the room. God bless you. Okay, we're going to pray this prayer. Church family, just help me pray it. I'd like for everyone to pray it out loud just so those who really are, are desperate for God maybe this morning and need forgiveness, they need the presence of God in their lives, so they'll pray it as well. Just pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and pay for my sin. I believe all my sin was transferred to him. Now I want you to transfer to me all of your presence. I need you in my life. I welcome you in my life. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for accepting me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, come on. Praise God. It's awesome. Listen, your next step could be baptism, just like these guys that got baptized today. That could be your next step to show on the outside.